2: my name is rachel and
0: i have an almost three-year-old son named riley who has gotten super
2: super picky lately with eating in terms of loving all the typical toddler foods such as french fries chicken nuggets mac and cheese and not loving any of the vegetables ever
0: um he still will eat fruit but veggies has been really hard for us so i was just wondering if you have any tips thanks
1: Well, that's a real mouthful coming from Rachel and from Riley.
0: Oh, so common.
1: It's a really common issue. And did you know that about a quarter of toddlers in the U.S. eat no vegetables on any particular day?
0: I would definitely believe that after seeing many of those kids in clinic.
1: (laughs) And guess what vegetable they choose if they do eat them?
0: I would say maybe like those baby carrots that you dip in ranch dressing or something that's a dippable.
1: Yeah, that would be a good, that would be a good choice. But the most popular choice is what Riley's choosing, which is like French fries, right? And that's like hardly healthy.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you can still call something a vegetable once it's been deep fried.
1: (laughs) So before we bite off too much of this subject.
0: Okay, bite off. You are exceeding your pun limit and we're only a minute into the episode.
1: Okay, I just wanted to say that I'm pleased to introduce a special guest today to help us with this.
0: We want to welcome today Dr. Mary Beth Steinfeld. She's a developmental and behavioral pediatrician at the UC Davis Mind Institute, and she's going to be talking to us today about picky eating.
3: I'm pleased to be here.
0: So although picky eating can occur at any age, we are going to focus our discussion today on the toddler age group where we typically see picky eating first start to occur.
1: So, Dr. Mary Beth, how can parents deal with picky eaters? Wait a minute. Let's back up a
3: little bit.
0: (laughs) Right. So let's first talk about why this is such an important subject.
1: Because we want to eat food that
0: tastes good. We obviously want to eat food that tastes good, but how about talking about the importance of nutrition at this age?
3: Dr. Lena, you've hit the kale on the head.
1: (laughs) See, I'm not the only one with puns.
3: (laughs) Kale on the head, you guys. Helping children have a nutritious diet is not just about growing. It's also making sure they have the right nutrients for their development, including brain development.
0: Right. Ideally, all kids are going to have a nutritious and varied diet.
1: Of course, children are growing and they're gaining weight.
0: And we
3: want them to gain the right amount of weight.
0: Not too much or else they'll become obese or overweight.
3: And we all know obesity is a huge issue in our society.
0: We've talked before that obesity in children can be associated with a much higher risk of other diseases like cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, diabetes.
1: And then there are social consequences of obesity.
0: But I think we're getting a little bit off track. We're talking about picky eaters today,
1: correct? Right, right. So let's um, define picky eaters.
3: Picky eaters are children who refuse to eat foods often, or they eat the same foods over and over.
0: And this can also be called selective eating, correct?
3: That's right. And it occurs in about 25% of two-year-olds are picky eaters. Wow. I mean,
0: that's a lot, but I would believe it. Many people think that this is just benign, that your kid's going to grow out of it over time.
3: And while that's true, it's important to know that children who have moderate or severe levels of selective eating may also have other symptoms such as anxiety, depression, separation anxiety, social anxiety, or even autism.
0: Right. Very important. And I'm so glad that we're talking about it now.
1: So when does picky eating usually start?
3: Well, children eat a lot during the first year of life and actually triple their birth weight. And then they only gain, in general, five pounds in the second year of life. So they have to start eating less because we don't want them to keep gaining weight at that rate. Mm -hmm. But parents don't necessarily know that. And they see their child stops eating as much and may call it picky eating. Mm. So parents often start beginning to worry about picky eating in the second year of life. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And then it continues often through four years old.
0: So that's right. In the beginning, infants are mostly taking things like breast milk, formula. And like you said, they're growing so fast. But at that time that they need to switch, something happens. Right.
1: That's right. when the growth rate is slowing down and the toddler's appetite will be less, as Dr. Mary Beth said.
3: Another thing is children don't like novelty. They like things to be the same. That's why we recommend routines and they don't mm-hmm. like new foods. They want the food to be the same.
1: And we've talked about routine a lot in our podcast episodes. It's so important for children's um, behavior and development.
3: So when all of
0: this is changing. We're seeing that they're learning tons of new skills at this age. They're walking, they're learning to run, they're learning to climb, talk. Does that have anything to do with why they might develop this picky eating?
3: Well, they're putting a lot of energy into lots of things. They're also learning to follow rules. And so having to do something new, like put stuff in your mouth you don't want to put in your mouth when you're having to do a lot of things you don't already necessarily know how to do or want to do, maybe that does contribute.
1: They're also putting things in their mouth voluntarily, because that's what kids are doing as they're developing, they're walking, they're crawling, and they have more motor skills and fine motor skills. So they're able to do that with their hands to put things in their mouth. So picky eating kind of makes some sense at this age, because it's better to spit things out if the taste is unfamiliar, because it could be poisonous.
3: Right, maybe we evolved that way for that reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to look at it. The other thing that children have to deal with is different textures. They're not necessarily used to different consistencies, So having food be a similar texture can also help them feel more confident in their ability to eat a food. Mm -hmm. Interesting.
0: For some kids, it seems like they'll have a favorite food one day. They can't get enough of it. They want chicken nuggets Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But then they might hate it the
3: next week. Yeah, we call that a food jag.
1: (laughs) A food jag. That's interesting.
3: So it's important for parents not to get frustrated that their child is on a food jag or that they just abandoned a food jag because this is normal behavior.
1: So it might be normal, but it could be really maddening for the parent, right?
3: Well, I think that's right. People buy a bunch of this food and now the child isn't eating it.
0: And over time, hopefully the child's appetite and food behavior will normalize.
1: So that sounds good in theory. But Dr. Marybeth, could you give us some specific tips to to give to parents?
3: And kids.
1: Yeah, to get them through the picky eater stage.
3: Sure. There's lots of things that parents can do. One of the things that we want parents to do, not only for Picky eating, but just in general for social development and language development, is to have family meals. We want parents to share meals with kids.
1: Well, I don't usually share my french fries if I get them.
3: I
0: don't think that's what Dr. Marybeth is talking
3: about here. Yeah, eating together is a family. Sharing meals together is the point.
1: Okay, I get that.
3: So no media distractions, no TV on,
1: no smartphones at mealtime.
3: That's right. Meals are social events. Kids aren't eating for nutrition. We eat with other people because we enjoy that and it's fun. And we want to model that and let them experience that being together and eating together is fun.
0: Right. And that you can develop adventurous tastes, right? So parents are showing their kids that they're trying something new and they're having fun with
3: it. And that can be kind of beneficial, right? Exactly. That's showing them that it's delicious. You know, so if you talk about it being delicious, not this is... Got a lot of vitamin B12. You should really eat it.
1: (laughs) Uh So the parents are a real role model then for the child in demonstrating trying new foods, eating new foods.
3: And this is an important point because a lot of parents feel tempted to make food that the child will eat as opposed to offering what everyone's eating. You want to offer the same meal to everybody. Right.
0: Like we're all having Indian food, but oh, I made like a little bowl of mac and cheese just for you. You would recommend against that. I
3: recommend that. against that. Well, first of all, it's harder on who's ever making the meals, but mm-hmm. also the child's getting used to the idea that they can eat separate food and that's not encouraging a diverse diet.
1: There's not a separate meal for the child, even if the child's refused what's being served.
3: You know, when you're doing that and you your child is a picky eater and you're offering them Indian food, for example, and they don't like Indian food, make sure you offer at least one thing that they like and have it on everybody's plate.
1: So let's say you do this and the child still refuses to eat. So should the parent make a big deal out of this? No,
3: don't do that. Okay. Because then the child has a big reaction to that. It's better for the child just to eat when they're hungry, not eat when they're not, and the parents to stay out of that. The child's responsible for what they eat.
1: So we're really trusting that the child will eat when they are actually hungry.
3: So, for
0: example, if they had a large breakfast or lunch, maybe they're not going to be hungry for dinner, and that's okay,
3: right?
1: Right, but the parent still provides food for just in case they want to eat.
3: And it's the child's decision to eat it. Or not eat it.
1: Right, so we're not pressuring children to eat, and we don't punish them if they don't eat.
3: Exactly. This is a big problem because a lot of children do feel pressured because their parents want them to eat a healthy food or eat that food they just bought for them. And it can make them actively dislike the food because they're feeling pressured to eat it, and that feeling pressured makes it harder to eat.
0: So it seems like the best reaction to forcing them to try a new food is not having a reaction at all.
1: And does it pressure the child to even label them a picky eater?
3: No, try and say something positive like, oh, okay, you're not ready to try that new food today. You're still experimenting with it.
1: So positive. So instead of saying they're picky, what would you say if like another parent like commented on your child?
3: Like your kid is such a picky eater. Oh no, Charlie's just learning to love new foods.
0: (laughs) I like that. Or they haven't tried that food enough times yet.
1: Okay, so let's talk about bribery. So some parents bribe their children by offering treats to eat new foods.
3: I know, not a good (laughs) idea. Well, it makes the treats the preferred food, and the other food is something that they don't want to eat. It's an unpleasant thing. This strategy is one of the ways that mealtime battles evolve.
0: So children who learn to make deals about eating will learn to make the deals and ask for the rewards for doing other routine things in their life, too, like getting dressed or going to sleep or brushing their teeth. They're thinking that all of this is tied to, like, the popsicle after dinner. What
1: about a child who seems to keep refusing a particular food? Should parents just give up on that
3: food? No, they should keep trying. It turns out that we need to taste a new food up to 10 or 15 times before our taste buds get used to it.
0: I remember that with mushrooms for me. I was like, mushrooms, ew, they're so slimy. I used to call them like ears or something. Like, I don't know why I thought that. But after, you know, 10, 15 times, I couldn't get enough of them even as a kid.
1: Well, that can be tough to swallow, though, for parents, because they might give up after watching the baby, you know, toss the mushrooms or spinach or something. If they toss them like five times in a row, that would be really discouraging for a parent.
3: You know, all pediatricians should know this and be in, and telling parents that. Keep trying it over and over and over rather than saying, oh, they don't like it after a couple of times.
0: Another thing might be that you want the kid to be hungry when a new food is introduced, right? Because a parent might make that association like, oh, they, they didn't want it, but maybe it wasn't a good time. Maybe the kid had had a big lunch and they just weren't hungry.
3: Exactly. I think parents maybe should consider this is all an experimental phase. Children are learning what to eat and what they like. And pay attention to what foods and textures they do like, because there's a lot of room for serving the same food in different ways.
0: Can you elaborate on what you mean by same food, different ways a little bit?
3: Well, some children don't like mushy textures, but let's say they don't like applesauce. So then you could give them a little apple slice. They might Mm. like that.
1: I see. So maybe like a baked potato instead of like a mashed potato for a different texture.
3: Right. You can also combine mushy foods with crunchy foods like dipping... An animal cracker in applesauce.
1: Or french fries and ketchup.
0: Drop the french fries, Dr. Dean. We're not okay. trying to get all the kids hooked on french fries like you.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. No more french fries.
0: So let's talk a little bit about food variety.
3: It's important to offer a variety of healthy foods like fruits and vegetables and proteins like meat and fish without bones.
1: So we talked about serving fish at least twice per week in a previous episode.
3: We want children to explore new flavors and food textures, so adding different spices and herbs to simple meals helps.
1: One thing I worry about is having food go to waste. So you introduce it and then the kid doesn't eat it. Then, like, what do you do, throw it out?
3: I know it bothers a lot of parents, uh, but what you can do is just serve food in small amounts.
0: And if the child doesn't bite? So to speak.
3: Then wait a week or so before reintroducing the same food.
0: Okay, so about a week before reintroducing is a good rule.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: What can parents do to make food fun? Oh, it's such a good idea. You can arrange the food in creative ways.
0: Like shaping them into, like, faces. I remember pancakes, you know, with the little Mickey Mouse. Yeah, make, make it playful, make it colorful.
1: And what about dips?
3: Kids love dipping foods, and finger foods are so fun. So dips are great.
1: Can we talk about dips a little bit more? Ranch dressing for a dip.
0: What about ranch?
1: Well, kids, it's delicious. <laughs> kids love ranch dressing. I love ranch dressing. You know, everybody loves ranch dressing, right? But it's, it's not healthy, is it?
3: No, it's not so healthy. It's high in calories and fat and salt.
1: So there must be some good alternatives to ranch dressing?
3: Well, there's low-fat ranch dressing, but you could try hummus or a yogurt dip or ketchup. Another thing you can do is label the food with a catchy name that the child might be more interested in. So what do you mean? You could say something that makes it sound interesting to a child, like calling mashed potatoes Snow Mountain Super Spuds.
0: Ooh.
1: Hmm, I get it. Like when you go to a restaurant and you see some of the food descriptions on the menu.
0: Oh, that make you really want to order it? Like mm-hmm. something like a foraged, pan seared wood-ear mushroom with a citrus foam
1: yeah yeah well mushrooms (laughs) just for you because you like mushrooms right but that does sound a little bit pretentious
0: yeah i was talking to another parent yesterday about this episode and they were saying that they use this tactic all the time and like we'll be like do you want pea soup and the kids will be like no and then they'll be like do you want pea soup without peas Yes, (laughs) and then they'll eat it so it's like you can get creative um with the same thing just by making it sound fun that's
2: clever
3: it's it's distracting them from the fact that it's food that they don't like you need, mm-hmm. you need to distract them by play you distract them by being silly or you could name a food after the child like sarah's salad
1: i get it or dean's donut
0: of course a donut <laughs> right <laughs> so it gives them ownership of the food and they're more likely to try it
3: at least yeah they stop thinking about it as
1: food so what about getting kids involved in actually planning meals
3: Such a great idea. Let them pick what you're going to make for dinner, what fruit or what vegetable, or take them to the grocery store and let them pick. Farmer's markets are great places to take kids. Mm -hmm. It also lets them develop and be aware of their own interest in food and give them some control and autonomy.
0: Right. So you're at the... Farmer's market, and you're walking around, and instead of saying, We're having squash for dinner, you can say, Look at these zucchinis, or these squash, or these carrots. Which one do you think that you want for dinner tonight?
1: And I've also seen some child friendly cookbooks. What do you think of these?
3: I think these are great. It gives children ideas and choices and lets them pick out new recipes to try.
1: Okay, so they've picked out a recipe. What about helping them make it? Having a kid in the kitchen?
3: Of course, they should help you. They can do some things, you just need to supervise them.
0: So they can stir or sift or count out the ingredients.
1: But maybe wait on the knife work until they're a little (laughs) bit older.
0: Considering this is a toddler episode, yes. (laughs)
3: Please. Thank you, Dr. Obvious. (laughs) (laughs) When children help make a meal, they're more likely to want to taste their creation.
0: So definitely big thumbs up with letting your kids help
3: with meal prep.
1: I've heard of food bridging. Can you explain this?
3: we call it food chaining but food mm. bridging i think that's the same thing mm-hmm. so let's say your child likes Ritz crackers and you want your child to eat pizza so you could say okay well Ritz crackers round and it's kind of orange what if you make a cut out a little piece of tortilla and put some orange cheese on it like cheddar cheese then you can talk about how they're similar in color, and talk about that. It distracts the child from the eating of it, and more about the type of food. And then you keep chaining till you finally get to that pizza you want them to eat. Do
1: <laughs> so you really have to get kids to eat pizza? But <laughs> right,
0: right.
3: I see what you're. I see the analogy. Pizza's so. okay. Pizzas There's nothing wrong with pizza. If it's
1: I, I, pizza. I agree, a hundred percent.
0: So maybe something if they like the the taste of carrots, but they're adverse to any other vegetable then you could mash up some carrots and then you could transition to something else that's orange like mashed yams that's sort of like a healthy
3: train yeah and you could even say look at this one's orange and this one's orange uh are they soft or hard you know how yeah. do they taste the same or taste different so you're just thinking about it mm-hmm. and experimenting without making them eat it i see
0: so, what about more challenging foods? So, it, with toddlers introducing things that may taste bitter or sour, and you kind of see their cute little face when they try it, and they're like,
3: ah! <laughs> Well, first of all, remember you model that you like it. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And then you can pair those kinds of foods with foods that are familiar. And just another mm-hmm. thing if you introduce vegetables early in life, mm-hmm. they'll get used to it.
0: Especially starting with, you know, when we transition from breast milk to introducing solids, we are now recommending like start with the vegetables, the pureed vegetables and the meats and less with the fruits. Do you see that too? Because it kind of primes the palate. It primes
3: the palate. And also they can even just suck on a a vegetable. They don't have to eat it. And remember 10 or 15 times.
1: So let's say we finished the meal and now it's time for dessert.
0: Oh, dessert. Everybody's favorite time of a meal. What's the best way to handle dessert?
3: Well, you can serve a small treat at the end of the meal.
1: And even if the child hasn't eaten much?
3: Remember, it's not a reward, regardless of how much they've eaten. Gotcha.
0: And what is the message we're sending? Because, you know, I'm worried that they might feel like, oh, this is a positive reinforcement, I'm getting a cookie, but I didn't even touch any of my dinner.
3: Well, the message is that this is the sequence of meals, mm-hmm. and sweets have their place when eaten in moderation. That makes sense. Mm, I agree mm-hmm. with that. It takes away the power of dessert being special. It also
0: makes it so there's not a big battle at dinner with negotiating, right? Like just take two or three more bites and then you can have this. So hopefully you establish more consistent routine. That's right. At
3: meal time. Takes away the power struggle.
1: So we usually have dessert last, but what about some people like to have dessert first? Can a kid choose to have that? Will that like totally ruin, ruin their eating habits?
3: No, they can have dessert first. A little small treat with dinner is fine. So if they
0: eat this first then what then they eat their vegetables
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay so it's so but
0: then it takes away like when i went to college and i was like oh my gosh i could have dessert before dinner that that was pretty exciting
3: so. <laughs> <laughs> we're programmed that way so if we just program that there's different flavors and you eat them right. and you eat them at meals i could get behind this
1: okay so they're just part they're just part of the meal but they're not the only part of the meal but i know how i would deal with dessert what's that just get rid of it
0: what You're not a big sweet guy, are you? No,
1: no. (laughs) Okay, so I want to bring up a situation that parents often worry about, and that's the dreaded restaurant tantrum.
0: Oh, those are the worst. Or
1: maybe the second worst to, like, the tantrum on the plane, right?
0: I don't know. Everybody's trying to have a nice meal, and there you are with your kids screaming and throwing chips across the restaurant. (laughs) What do you do in that situation?
3: It makes sense to me that you would take your child out of that situation, go to the bathroom, go to the car, walk around outside and wait till they quiet down. What if they don't quiet down? Well, maybe you'll have to leave the restaurant.
0: But like we've talked about before in our tantrums episode, this is a normal part of development. Tantrums come with raising kids. You know, never blame yourself. Never let those like angry eyes looking at you from across, you know, the restaurant don't take that to heart, right? Part of the game. That's
3: right. There's a lot they're getting used to in life, and one of those things is restaurants. Mm-hmm.
0: So some children are extremely picky eaters, and parents might be concerned that even with all of these tips, it won't result in a healthy diet and having the nutrients they need to grow.
3: You know, pediatricians are very interested in children's growth and development, and so they want to know if you're having concerns about their uh, diet. What they'll do is um, look at their height and weight. So one thing you might want to mention is your specific concerns. Definitely.
0: Mm-hmm. Remember, picky eating is a normal part of development for toddlers.
3: Parents just need to be patient and have confidence that their child is going to learn to eat.
1: One more thing about picky eaters. Sometimes it seems like they're practically eating nothing. And you just wonder how they can be growing.
3: Right. And the pediatrician says, look at their growth curve. They're gaining weight beautifully. They're growing great.
0: I know. That's so funny. One of my friends it's like, it seems like all their kid eats is those juice packets. And he's like, he's growing so beautifully. And you're like, how is this even possible? But it is. They are getting their calories.
1: It's almost like their calories and their nutrients, like they're absorbing them through the air or something.
3: There are kids who don't eat any foods from certain food groups. A child should be eating at least some food from every food group. And so that's a little more than picky eating. And that's something you want to tell your pediatrician. They eat zero green vegetables or zero vegetables or one vegetable. And then... Concerns may start to rise about their nutritional intake, mm-hmm. the nutrition balance, even if they're growing well.
1: Mm-hmm. There have been several um, media reports of kids who have had extreme selective eating and have had really serious um, deficiencies and require things
0: like we don't see anymore, like scurvy, scurvy or rickets or exactly. certain things. So yeah. it is important. We're you know we don't want to downplay it as just a normal developmental phase. If you have concerns talk to your doctor about them. Yeah. I
3: mean picky eating is normal. It's just that if it's extremely restricted then the pediatrician will help you get more help for your child.
1: Is there anything else you'd like to add Dr. Mary Beth that we haven't addressed regarding picky eating?
3: Well, I think that if meal times are taking more than 30 minutes, that's a red flag. If the child has such severe behavior problems that you're running around the house trying to get them to eat something, that's a red flag. And like I said before, not eating from any food groups, you know, or just, or, you know, so restricted, you're, you're eat, the child's eating less than, say, 10 foods. You know, that's a big concern. So we expect children who just have a problem with their eating. They're eating 30 or more foods. Kids who are eating less than 10 or 15 foods, that's a problem. And in mm-hmm. between, that's something you probably want to monitor with your pediatrician. There are therapists who work on feeding. Speech therapists and occupational therapists actually provide feeding therapy, just like you get speech therapy for a lisp or physical therapy for a broken leg.
0: And people may think that sounds interesting, but they make it so fun. Like, if you've seen any of these therapists work with kids, it's like a playtime for them. They love coming. And they're like, and the type of foods they're eating, their parents are like,
3: what? They never eat that at home. It can be very effective, and the earlier that's identified, the better. So... If your child's restricting and restricting, talk to your pediatrician. Mm -hmm. And
1: I've heard a lot of stories from Dr. Mary Beth because Dr. Mary Beth is the head of our feeding clinic at UC Davis Children's Hospital. And there's not that many feeding clinics around, but they can really make an important difference in children's lives. Yeah. So let's summarize the main points of how best to approach a child who is a picky eater.
3: It's important for children to have a nutritious diet for their growth and development.
0: About 25% of children are picky eaters or selective eaters.
3: Children grow out of this stage, but it can be associated with other issues like anxiety.
1: It usually starts in toddlers.
3: We can
0: help by making healthy food choices available for your child.
3: Eating as a family is an opportunity for parents to model healthy eating and enjoying different foods.
1: Include at least one food that you know your child likes with each meal.
3: But try
0: not to make a separate meal for your child.
3: Pressuring kids to eat or punishing them when they don't eat will make the behaviors worse.
0: And bribing kids to eat can lead to more battles and tension down the line.
1: Don't give up when a child refuses a particular food.
3: Remember, it can take 10 or more times of trying a food before a child will accept it.
1: And making food fun with fun shapes, dips, and names can make it more interesting to children.
3: Involve children in buying food and preparing food.
0: And finally, dessert definitely has its place
3: in a meal. But it's just part of the meal, not the only part. So let's get back to um,
1: Rachel's question, and I think she mentioned that Riley is eating some foods. He just has preferences, and he's he's eating French fries. That's a vegetable.
0: Mm, yeah. So I guess some recommendations we can make is naming it like Riley's radishes aren't are a little bit of a hard one, but like <laughs> let's think about. What we can
3: name. But she could make it fun and use dips fun. and little like you know, a spiralizer and make little Mm. spirals of carrots or...
1: Yeah. So we thank Dr. Mary Beth Steinfeld from the Minds Institute at UC Davis for joining us for this episode.
0: But Dr. Dean and I take responsibility for any big errors.
1: Even the small errors. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, instead of doing a joke at the end, I thought we could summarize some of the main issues that we talked about in a song.
0: Here we go again, everybody.
2: child picky about the foods they eat. It's a challenge that is tough to beat. We worry about kids growing well. All we want is for them to excel. Make healthy food choices available. Sharing family meals is favorable. Offer up nutritious variety Making food fun decreases anxiety Some strategies seem like natural solutions But pressure or punishments, these are delusions Offering bribes and rewards will not succeed This will just result in creating more greed Make healthy food choices available Sharing family meals is favorable Offer up nutritious variety. Making food fun decreases anxiety. Is it the texture or the taste that turns them off? Is it the appearance or the smell that makes them scoff? Make healthy food choices available. Sharing family meals is favorable. Offer up nutritious variety. Making food fun decreases anxiety.